0: You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Time is a tricky thing for Christians. We live within the normal frame of a shared human existence, clicking along according to a common pace, even if our experience of that pace differs from time to time. According to the normal course of events, we're born, we grow into adulthood and pass into old age and then go the way of all flesh. And if you're feeling especially ornery about that this morning, you might agree with Tolstoy who said, we we live a stupid life and then we die a stupid death. Now that's a cold account of the truth and we all know that there are enormous amounts of joy in between the spaces of these events, but we can take his point. However hard we may try, we know the tyrannical truth. We're born, we age, and we become a memory. But time is tricky for a Christian. Ordinary time, we know, slows down for no one, but we also know that our being resides in Jesus Christ, and he is not bound to ordinary time like we are. He was slain, the Apostle Paul tells us, before the foundations of the world. Well, give that one a deep think sometime. The whole host of heaven worships before the living lamb right now. John tells us that he heard a roar of a lion and turned to see a lamb slain sitting on a throne with the whole host of heaven worshiping him. That's happening now, according to the Bible. And in some grand and mysterious way, we Christians are linked with Christ's time already. We might call this Easter time or resurrection time. And today is the first Sunday of Lent, and Lent as a season is a, is a long slope that helps us come to terms with this Easter time or a resurrection time. Now, I don't want to bore you with the long history lesson this morning about the season of Lent, but it did initially serve as a training period for the newly converted Christians who were preparing for their baptism. This long road of reflection and training, fasting and repentance, all in preparation for their Easter vigil baptism The season of instruction and training was all in service of helping new converts be able to make their baptismal vows with integrity. And here's the baptismal vow in its basic form. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. As I reflected this week on this baptismal confession, this Christian confession, I I couldn't escape the simplicity of the sentence Jesus is Lord. Two nouns and a, and a connecting verb. The Greek New Testament is even simpler in form. Kurion Iezum, Lord Jesus. As with so many things in this world, profound things are often expressed best in simple terms. I love you. A squared plus B squared equals C squared. Remember that one? But don't let the simplicity of the language betray you the confession that Jesus is Lord carries with it the whole weight of the universe if it's true then life cannot carry on as normal it changes everything and Lent is an annual reminder and invitation to you and to me to come to terms once again by God's grace with our baptism with our confession of faith that Jesus is Lord and if he is Lord then no one else or nothing else can be Paul tells us this morning in our reading that if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. With the heart one believes and with the mouth one confesses. The great statement of Israel's faith was, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord alone. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul very, very much. And Paul seems to be deploying that great Shema, the great hear, O Israel, in his thoughts here in Romans 10, believing with your heart that Jesus is Lord, the Lord our God, the Lord alone. Jesus is Lord with all of your heart and all of your soul. Paul's language here is scandalous. He's making the audacious confession that Jesus Christ, born of Mary, son of a carpenter, is Israel's God. In some profound way, Jesus Christ is wrapped up in the identity of the voice who spoke to Moses from the burning bush, I am who I am. Isaiah's great temple vision, Ezekiel's throne room vision, the whole weight of God's being and glory are all wrapped up in the identity of the one who hangs on a cross. Jesus is Lord it's a scandal what Christians believe. It's foolishness to the world. It will grow in foolishness in time. And here we are in this season of the church preparing our hearts and our minds once again for our confession on Easter Sunday. It's coming. Jesus has died. Jesus has risen. And Jesus is Lord. Confession of faith for Christians is our eyes to see reality and the world for what it really is. He is the sovereign. He is the Lord. He is the king. All other allegiances take a distant second place. Aaron Wren wrote a fascinating piece last month for First Things. I've been reflecting on it quite a bit. His article tackled Christianity in the United States, particularly Evangelical Christianity, and by that we mean people who believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ and the authority of the Bible For most of our country's history, Wren tells us, to be a Christian was to add value to the resume of your life and your vocation It was a plus Now Ren's dating can be challenged here, but he suggests around 1994 One's Christian identity in the public square becomes more neutral It neither hurt you or Helped you, As he said, people might say things like, hey, I'm a Christian. Well, that's great. I'm a vegan. Let's grab some lunch. But around 2014, Wren suggests that the tables turned toward the negative. One's Christian identity now falls into the negative category and can be a social stigma in certain quarters of society, especially the elite corners of civic, intellectual, and political power. He identifies 2014 as this fault line because of the famous Obergefell case before the Supreme Court that then legalized same-sex marriage. Now, assumed Christian morals of society were were denigrated, put, put at bay. So society, by and large, suggests Wren sees Christian identity now as an impediment with Christian doctrine and ethics being diminished, especially among the elite institutions of cultural influence and power. And in these spheres, someone's Christian identity might hurt them now more than help them if they say that Jesus is Lord and confess so with their mouths. You know, the confession of Jesus is Lord, it was a scandal for the Apostle Paul, too, in the first century world. He knew this. No one was Lord in the first century world but Caesar, They placed a placard above Jesus's cross, King of the Jews, that's what it read, and the point was clear. If you claim to be a king or a lord and you're not Caesar or under Caesar's authority, then you end up nailed on a cross in public humiliation and disgrace. To say that Jesus is Lord has always been subversive. It always entails risks. The Confessing Church of Germany came together in the 1930s under protest against Hitler and his annexing of of the German church to Nazi ideology. So much of the culture was caught up in the euphoria of Hitler's rescuing of Germany from its shame and the the restoration of the German people. Hitler wanted Berlin to be the new Rome. And it's easy from our standpoint in history to, to castigate the German people in the 1930s for supporting Hitler, but we should be slow to do so. We're all vulnerable to the dynamics of groupthink, especially when the mood is optimistic and hopeful on the far side of despair. But the confessing Christians came together in the middle of this, because they understood one fundamental fact of the Christian faith and they would not compromise on it. They understood that Jesus is the Lord or in the words of the famous Barman Declaration that they wrote together, the church only has one Führer, one leader, Jesus Christ. Our allegiance is to him as our Savior and as our Lord. Paul ends this section in Romans 10 by saying that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, what Paul doesn't tell you, you have to do a little digging here, is that he's quoting the prophet Joel. Can I read this section to you from Joel? This is what the prophet says in chapter 2. And I will show wonders or signs in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire, Columns of smoke, and then the sun shall be turned to darkness and and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it shall come that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said, and among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls." There's a great and terrible day of the Lord coming, Joel tells us. Paul tells us too from our reading in Romans 10. So does the Apostle John in the book of Revelation. It is a great and terrible day, awesome in its wonder. It's the final day when God's time envelops our own, and he will bring with him fire and smoke along with healing in his wings, whoever is calling on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's an awesome and terrible day. But for those who are among the survivors, for those who are calling on the name of the Lord, for those who confess that Jesus is Lord, they find shelter in the shadow of his wings. They can say with great confidence to the Lord, claiming his promises revealed in Jesus Christ, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. Lent's a season preparing us for Easter preparing us to come to terms with our baptism once again our confession that Jesus is Lord Lent shakes us up a bit from our assumption of ordinary time and causes us to take a pondering look at Christ's time because Lent is preparing you and me for the awesome and terrible day of the Lord We only live in naivete if we do not recognize the shifting fault lines within our globe right now and in our own country. We have no idea what the future holds. But if there is a silver lining in all of this in our moment, can we call it the gift of discomfort? A slight shifting in our seat? A turn of our heads toward the sound of thunder because we know There are no guarantees that the future will just be like the present. Kingdoms come and they go. And here's the Apostle Paul this morning, in our midst, telling us that the season of Lent is a season to come to terms with our belief and to believe it with all of our hearts, with everything that animates and gives us life, and to confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, We want to be among the survivors of Israel. And the survivors are those who know Jesus as their Savior and their Lord. May I encourage you today? If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ, would you find someone near you who can pray with you and point you to the Lamb who gave his life for you? Amen.